Welcome into Smooth Operators with your hosts, Noah, Griggs, and Ben, going through the world of Formula One. If you want to interact with the show today, you can tweet at us at Noah underscore Phillips, at Junior underscore McClurkin, and at the Griggs B. It's time for the green flag, and it's lights out, and away we go. Happy one o'clock, ladies and gentlemen. You know what it's time for. It's time for the smoothest operators of Weagle 91.1 FM as we take you on a journey through the exquisite world of Formula One. Joining me as always is Griggs Blankenberg. Griggs, take it away. How you doing, sir? It's been it's finally back in the show. We got you. Ben's unfortunately out today. Do just got to do some stuff, but it's just me and you hanging out. And you love to see it. I love hanging out with you, Griggs. Of course, we didn't get good sleep last night, so that may affect the show's property, but, mm-hmm, but you never can tell. You know what? We're just going to push through it. We got an hour of Formula One talk. Let's just get into it right away. Well, ladies and gentlemen, as you might know, Formula One finished up uh, one of their rounds this weekend in Italy at the Circuit of Speed, otherwise known as Monza. Another great race for Formula One as Max Verstappen wins five in a row. Five in a row. It's it's almost guaranteed to be his, barring it. We, I've said this the last three weeks, barring a uh, breakdown of catastrophic effects. Other than that, it's almost all but his. Everything's got to go wrong, and Ferrari has to step up and do some stuff right. Honestly, I think that everything could go wrong is better as better odds than Ferrari doing something right. But, but yeah. Max was the first place. Uh, second place went to Mr. Charles Leclerc. And third place went to Mr. George Russell. Fourth place went to Mr. Carlos Sainz. And fifth was to Sir Lewis Hamilton. And, and Sergio, the other Red Bull, finished at sixth. Which is, which is amazing to me because a Red Bull that finishes first can also finish sixth, even though you have such a difference, uh, obviously, between the two drivers. But... At Monza, where it's a more car-dependent place, of course, not giving anything away to the drivers who have to brake under such constant pressure at a course like that. But it's such a car-dependent, I expected there to be some sort of one-two. And for the penalties that people took on this weekend, too, not as much as it was the past weekend in um, uh, uh, the Dutch Grand Prix, it's still surprising to see that. Uh, Max or Max started in seventh or around there because of his uh, penalties he took, but then Ser- that was supposed to be Sergio's. It was supposed to be him and Carlos, or him and Charles because Charles didn't take any penalties. It was him and versus Carlos. Yeah, which is surprising to me because uh, Ferrari, of course, I don't believe took any penalties, and of course, being from Italy, they of course know the track better than probably anyone that was there because I think the only other Italian real makers is something like Alfa Romeo who. They got points this week. They did get points. First time in a while. First time in a long while. Uh, that rookie. Guan Yu Zhou. Yeah, I was about to say, you want to take the name because I was going to butcher yeah. it on there. Guan Yu Zhou. Got one point for the Alfa Romeo squad. Um, very, very surprising turn of events this week, other than, of course, the victor, Max Verstappen. Max Verstappen, indeed. Other surprising things. You have Pierre Gasly finishing in eighth. And I, probably the most surprising one of all, Nick DeFries in his Formula One debut for Williams 
scores ninth and also gets into Q2 out qualifying Nicholas Latifi going in for Alex Albon, who I believe had to have his appendix removed. So, Ugh. yeah. Would not want to have your appendix removed so, as a race car. We're going to talk about more later, but now that he scored points in a Williams, it might shake up just a little bit more of the driver market for next year. Oh, it shakes up more than the driver market. Makes you question things over at Williams that you just took a guy that you uh, had on your reserves and got points with him. Mm-hmm. And then you also, t- we talked about Sergio, a little bit disappointing, but then again, he did finish with the fastest lap going with a 1 minute 24.030 second lap. So pretty quick lap for Sergio, though, even though he didn't finish in the on the podium spot as his teammate did, but you can come away with something. Yeah, came away with something, got a point for the Red Bull squad that they probably are not going to need at the end of the season, but, you know. Better safe than sorry. Yeah, better safe than sorry and makes you look better at the end of the season. Let's talk a little bit more of that. So let's talk about the safety car procedures in that one. That was the interesting one. Yeah. uh, I'm very surprised that they had something sketchy go on because usually that's a NASCAR thing (laughs) to have officials uh, mess up that badly or have a sketchy rule there at the end of the race. But F1 is usually a lot more strict, a lot more better at getting those calls right. It is. So uh, Max Verstappen ended up beating Leclerc and a couple others to win behind the safety car. I believe there was two safety cars in that race. It was between – we had the virtual safety car, I'm pretty sure – or I might be mixing up the race. I watch. I've watched a lot of Dutch Grand Prix recaps and stuff. So, yeah, and it's been a long time since that Italian Grand Prix was on Sunday. I know I had two exams, and that's what my mind has been on the past couple of days. And it's hard to focus when you're a college student. Yeah. So the main one that people were talking about though was when Ricardo. What we what we were mainly talking about was when Ricardo. Stopped on the side of the track. They called the safety car. No real damage on the track. So they had the actual safety car. So but they had the crate out. And then I remember it was like two laps remaining, I believe. And two or three laps, people were talking about, why are we still behind the safety car? There's no dangers to the drivers on the track. When it was mainly the part where it was would be a race to the finish with Charles and Max. So, And again, that's a NASCAR thing to do. Usually throw a caution at the last couple seconds, set up some sort of Big storybook ending. Very surprised that F1 would do such a thing. The only real argument, I think, for uh, F1 in this case is you got to realize Monza is a temple of speed, and it's a very dangerous track. They, of course, are thinking of driver safety. But at the end of the day, you just got to let them race. And as I've always liked to say, motorsports is a thing where you – just have to race it's an art more than a science if it gets dominated by somebody every Sunday Mm -hmm. that's just how it has to be if you want to set up some sort of storybook ending as a uh, race official you'll end up with something like NASCAR where you have a playoffs that is terrible I know I'm talking a lot about NASCAR Uh, probably shouldn't be doing that on F1 show but just the comparisons of obviously Mm -hmm. the sport that is attempting to take over America I get it yeah yeah so, talking about this, you being a Ferrari friend, did not the um, result that you expected to happen, but then again, you can't really you can't really blame it on Ferrari, any drivers or anything like that. So, what does someone as a Ferrari fan do you take away from this one after it was a mainly clean weekend? Well, at the end of the day, you didn't win. You know, going into your home track, that's something you pretty much have to do. Uh, track was absolutely swarmed with red. 
and they knew how uh, they knew that they wanted their Ferrari guys to win. But obviously, finishing second behind Max Verstappen, who is dominating right now and probably will dominate for the rest of the season, it's just something you got to take your lumps and hope and pray that you can continue to beat this Mercedes team for P2 that is slowly but surely getting some points with George Russell coming in third and Lewis Hamilton coming in fifth. I'm just happy that we were able to show out and be in front of them when the white checkered uh, came down. I mean, yeah, you didn't lose, but then again, it's just a testament to Max and what the Red Bull team has been able to do this year. I mean, the Ferrari thing all year has been problems on the pit wall, and that wasn't the case for this one. So that was at least probably happy to see from Ferrari's standpoint going into the final few races of the year. I mean, let's take a look at the driver's standings real quick. Before one more time before we go to break in a few minutes, but the driver's things currently stand as this: Max Verstappen is in first with a uh, 335 points ahead of Charles Leclerc of Ferrari with 219. Nine points behind him is Max's teammate Sergio Checo Perez with 210, and in fourth place, actually now ahead of Carlos Sainz, is Mr. George Russell Russell of Mercedes at 203. Carlos Sainz is in fifth with 187, and at sixth. Sir Lewis Hamilton of Mercedes is at 168. And obviously the name that is really starting to shoot up power rankings is George Russell. Mm -hmm. He's had a great couple of weeks since the uh, lockout came back. Well, excuse me, the uh, break of the season ended. And George Russell is slowly but surely again starting to come up and really dominate that third place spot. Being, well, I wouldn't say a – Number one for Mercedes because I think that'll be that's always going to be always will be Lewis Hamilton not just because of how great of a racer he is but also because of how uh, important he is to that team he's the guy that really started it uh, I think George Russell could easily easily keep shooting up I think he could win a race in the coming days and help out this Mercedes team that is currently. 35 points behind Ferrari in the constructor standings. And I think at the end of the day, that's what Mercedes wants. They want to be P2. That's going to be close because, as you already said, Max has pretty much already got that. So Ferrari's got to take something from Mercedes. They can't have them come back. Because that was a Mercedes team at the beginning of the year, minus Bahrain, where they got the podiums from the Red Bulls struggling. So And a couple crashes, I believe, right? I think so, yeah. Especially with Carlos in a couple of races. I think he did that at – um. Um, I think Emila when Carlos went into the gravel. And, yep, that is right. Mm-hmm. That is right. But yeah, but real quick before we go break, here is how exactly Max Verstappen can win coming into Singapore, which is not this week, not next week, but the week after. So we got a little bit of time here, but he must finish at least 138 points clear, which would mean he would have to win the race, taking the fastest lap with Charles Leclerc finishing ninth or lower. Checo finishing fourth or lower, and Russell finishing second or lower. Or he could do this. He wins the race without the fastest lap, but Charles Leclerc would have to finish ninth or lower without the fastest lap. So that's entirely possible. It, it is entirely possible. And just the fact that he can win a race when there's still – or excuse me, win a season when there's still one, two, three, four, five, six, uh, six races still to come. It's a testament to how dominating he is. Now, I don't think uh, it'll happen in Singapore. I have a little bit of faith in a, 
well, I shouldn't have faith. Prancing in horses. I, I shouldn't have faith in him, but I do because you know you you got to have faith in something. If you don't, then who knows what's going to happen to you. But I mean, Max Verstappen is so dominant; he could easily win it uh, at the United States. It's coming in three weeks, or Mexico after that, and for Brazil and Abu Dhabi, he could just kick back and relax. For but realistically, before we go break, last thing. If realistically thinking, when do you think Max would win, if not Singapore? Do you think it's Japan, or do you think it's at the Coda? I think it's in Mexico. Really? Okay. Because I know how dominant Red Bull can be there, mm. and I think that could very easily – I think like it'll be one of those situations where it's like Max Verstappen can finish 10th and still come out mm-hmm. ahead. But and if he's not won by Mexico, after Mexico, there's a problem. Yeah, if he hasn't won by Mexico, something has gone terribly wrong. Mm-hmm. And I think when he gets to Mexico, it'll be one of those deals where all he has to do is pretty much just run a regular race. He can finish fifth, yep. sixth, or whatever. He, last thing before we go to break, I promise we the last one. Uh, Singapore, he have to, he would have to be ahead by 138 at the end. Japan uh, ahead by 112. United States ahead by 86. Mexico by 60. Brazil 26. Or if this happened, it'd be unbelievable. Abu Dhabi he has to be ahead by one to win it all. So, I hope that does happen, Greg, just because of uh, sheer excitement value and uh, storybook endings and all that. But I got faith in that Max Verstappen kid. I think he gets his second uh, in the United States, and most likely I think he's getting it in Mexico. All right, sounds good. But that is all for our first segment. When we come back... There's still so much more going on in the world of Formula 1, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to talk about the driver market, probably the most exciting news that's happened this week and throughout most of the past weeks. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Smooth Operators on Weagle 91.1 FM. And welcome back into Smooth Operators, everyone. Weagle's one and only show dedicated entirely to the world of Formula 1. We are here back and still in the Melton Student Center, in the Bradley Basin Studios. You're hanging out with Griggs Blankenberg and Mr. Noah Phillips today. Noah, again, how you doing today, brother? I'm doing great. This uh, com- comeback sounds amazing. I feel like I can yeah. dance. Shout out, Jackie. These are some great stuff in the system. But let's go ahead and get right back into the Formula One world. Now, what really dominate has dominated the world of Formula One and probably will continue to dominate the world of Formula One news, it is the driver lineup for next year. So if you do not know what is going on, Formula One has the two has 10 teams, 20 drivers, and each of them is like a sports player. So you get a contract for a certain amount of time. You can choose to renew it, or they become a free agent. So basically like that. So right now there are one, two, three, four teams, or five teams, excuse me, without a confirmed second driver for next year. That is the Alfa Romeo team, the Alfa Tari team, Alpine, Haas, America, go America. USA. And Williams. So they're... These are some interesting things, especially for Alfa Romeo, who's rookie currently, who got a point this week we were talking about. Zhou Guan Yu does not have a seat for next year yet. And that point probably helped him a little bit, but... Probably helped him a lot. This Alfa Romeo team isn't exactly the greatest, and holding on to a rookie that can get you points is very, very important. Very. And the constructors right now... uh, Alfa Romeo is ahead of Haas by 16 points. Judging off the performances from Haas in the past couple of weeks, though, that's starting to seem more and more concrete that they're going to be able to fit, keep that sixth place. But now, you forgot to mention this last segment, 
Haas is only one point ahead of AlphaTauri for seventh place. Which is very, very scary because this AlphaTauri team is doing pretty well, especially with Pierre Gasly mm-hmm. coming off the momentum of getting some points this past weekend S- at Monza. Speaking of AlphaTauri, his teammate, uh, um, Yuki Sonoda, currently does not have a seat for next year, too. If you do not remember, he was the one that caused the infamous F1 conspiracy, F1 fixed thing of the week in Dutch, in the Dutch Grand Prix a couple weeks ago, where he went back to the pits, slowed, then stopped again out on the track a little bit later. So, but he is currently without a seat, which is interesting because he started off decent, but then he's gone on a roll of just not scoring points in a few races. He is currently in 16th with 11 points in the driver lineup this year. My thing about him is. He seems like a great, great driver. And some of the backstage stuff that you hear because people love politics is he seems like a nice guy. I think he could be a great, great uh, sponsor a- asset to any of these teams. And I think even though he hasn't won uh, any points recently, he's a guy that certainly can. He's fast in a race car. Uh, F2 proved that. Mm-hmm. And I think one of these teams has got to give him a chance. I'll be very surprised if AlphaTauri – uh, either doesn't heavily recommend that somebody takes them or they take them themselves. And the thing also that you got to think about is um, he started in the back of the grid for the Monza because of all he had, I believe, five reprimands, which equals a uh, back of the grid penalty for that. So reprimands, whether it be driving issues or communications issues, talking to the press t- type of stuff. So, yeah, what you said, the politicking-wise, is not too too great to get your – brand like that out in the open, but at the same time, sponsors may want that, and it's all about the money in F1. I think a lot of Americans like Yuki as well, just because of that brash style that he brings to a racetrack. But then we also have to talk about his teammate, Pierre Gasly, who is already under contract for Alvatari for at least next season. He signed a one-year deal for next year. But now that uh, Alpine has lost Fernando Alonso for next year, they're thinking, uh, people have been assumed maybe thinking about him for Alpine, because it would be an all-French driver lineup in an all in a French team. I think he's too old for Alpine. I I, I truly think you're saying he's too old for Alpine, but then they have Fernando Alonso. Yes, because, <laughs> because I think Alpine has got to realize at some point that they have too old of drivers. Uh, I think Pierre Gasly is starting to kind of get up there. Uh, uh, of course, he's not an old man like Fernando Alonso is. But I think Alpine has to realize that they can't just keep uh, giving old guys rides. Pierre Gasly obviously isn't that old. But I think Alpine really needs to bring in a young guy. Like Nick DeVries, mm-hmm. who just recently scored a point in a Williams car. Mm. That's going to be interesting, too. Where The next time we talk about where do we think certain drivers are going to end up next year. But after that performance and scoring points in a Williams it's few and far between this year. Honestly, I want him in a uh, Ferrari. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> get, get rid of Carlos Sainz. Put Nick DeVry. Oh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> what are you talking? He won Silverstone this year. I'll, what is this F1 guy talking about? <laughs> it's the most, we, we definitely don't sound like people who t- should be talking about F1. Not, uh, I, I about definitely it. don't. I, f- I think I should be talking about like Daytona. Something like that. I think that my, my voice fits that a whole NASCAR, lot better. F1 to Daytona. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on now. So we already talked a little bit about Alpine not having one, but Haas, that's an interesting one. So you weren't here last week. We talked about it, but 
Mick Schumacher, probably the most famous last name in motorsport, besides probably him and Earnhardt, have not really taught. It's interesting because he's not in the Ferrari Driver Academy next year, and Haas is supplied an engine by Ferrari. So, Gunter Steiner's already said he wants to see more, more, more from Mick. But at the same time, I don't know what else he can do in a Haas team that's struggled down the stretch this year. I think Guter has to realize that he's a kid. You know, he may have the last name of one of the greatest racers of all time in Formula One and or for any motorsport that matter. Uh, Guter's got to realize he's a kid. It's just his second season at Haas, and he's not going to win you any races. He's going to give you points every now and again. He's going to try to fight for that uh, top five ideal, ideally. Most, most, most likely he's going to finish around 8th, 9th, or 10th, 11th, 12th, something like that. As long as he's doing that and showing consistency, not breaking down race cars, he is a fantastic driver, not only for you, but for any team that wants him bad enough. Fair enough. I, Yeah, I think you're right. I think he should get another shot at Haas. I mean, Kevin Magnussen was out of Haas, comes back in, little time left and gets P5 in his first race back. For a Haas team that hadn't scored points in two years, you've had both your drivers earn points the, in the past little while. I think they had a one, double points for the first time in team, or one of the first times in team history, maybe. Yeah, uh, definitely in the last three years, that double points. I can't remember what race it was, but I know. Was it Canada? Or either, it was either Canada or something else. Hmm. Canada? Let's see here. I'm trying to think. It definitely wasn't. Super recent. Um, was it Azerbaijan? I don't believe so. Sorry, this is this the yeah. type of thing, ladies and gentlemen, you get when you tune into. We want to get you the facts. Doesn't take you how long. Doesn't matter how long it takes for us to get you them, but we're going to get you the facts. This um, is what happens when two Americans cover a European sport. It is very true. <laughs> we're learning this too, ladies and gentlemen. But yes, they both have gotten double. I believe so. Mick score. Yes, here's the one. It was in uh, Silverstone. So Mick scores P8, and then Kevin scored P10. So that's double points for a Haas team who hadn't had points before Bahrain in two years. So that's still pretty good. And that's a great result for a team that is working their way out of being a backmarker. Uh, Haas has been a backmarker for two or three years before this, and they have to conti- contest- continue well, continue to contest for points. <laughs> mm-hmm. Agreed. And – the last one before we really go to break, we were talking about this a little bit, but it's Williams. Williams, the team now, very famous older team for in Europe, now owned by, I believe, some, not American teams since they're still based in England, but they have American investors. So they don't have a spot next year. Alex Albon, who scored points in multiple occasions this year, has already got that. However, Nicholas Latifi is still the only driver yet in Formula One, who is yet to score a point this season. So the question is, does Williams care more about that money that Nicholas is bringing in from the sponsorship deals, or do they want to take a chance maybe on a Nick DeFreeze or someone else? I think they can take a chance on somebody like a Nick DeFreeze, and they can obviously make money uh, that way. But with Nicholas Latifi, you've got to keep a veteran around, and he's sort of an old head. He's been around the block once or twice. And I think he's going to help mold uh, this team and help them race. He may not score you 
a lot of points. Or but, any points. Or any points. But <laughs> he is going to show up every weekend, and he's going to try as hard as he can. Didn't he finish, like, in Q3 in the first race? Yeah, but then well, he didn't score points. Or yeah. No, not the first race. He scored Q3 in Britain. In Britain, in Britain, yeah. And I knew in one of the races he, like, surprisingly just showed up and balled out somehow. But the thing is, in that regard, is you also have Albon, who's been on top teams, who's been in Red Bull who came back, something to prove this year in F1, after being off for a year, came back with a chip on his shoulder and has scored points on multiple occasions in a Williams car that, minus George Russell last year, scoring a few points here and there, it's been hard to come by. Yeah, and Williams is a team that's making their way back up. It's not the teams of the 60s that would dominate and when they had, when they were allowed like four cars on a racetrack at a time. But then you got to realize if you're Williams, Williams is you need as much consistency as possible. You got to make these cars right, and having not to worry about driver style or what your driver is going to do in a certain car on any given Sunday. You have to realize that consistency is important, mm. and keeping the same driver around helps you mold a better car. You go from being a backmarker to fighting for. 10, 9, and 8, and then eventually you start fighting for 5s and 4s, and that's when you bring in somebody that can win you every single race uh, accordingly. Agreed with that. But now, after that, we're going to cut to a break real quick. When we come back, me and Noah are going to give our predictions on where we think certain drivers are going to go next year. We're going to throw out names, and we're going to discuss them. So don't go anywhere. This is the smoothest operators of Weagle 91.1 FM. Good afternoon again, dear listener. It is 1.30 and we're coming to you at the Bradley Basin Studio inside Auburn Student Center. My name is Noah Phillips. Joined by on my right is Craig Blankenberg. And we are the smoothest operators of uh, Weagle 91.1 FM. As we talk to you about the future uh, predictions of driver market in Formula One. Griggs, you want to start this off? Let's do it. Let's do it right there. Yeah, there we go. Here we go. Uh, let's start out. Let's just throw out some names here and there. But let's go ahead and start it off. Now, we'll, we'll save the bigger name for the end. You know who I'm talking about. Let's go ahead and start off with trying to think of people. Let's see. Do we think – let's start out with the American. Colton Herta. He, I know his super license didn't get approved, but still, could we potentially see something from him next year? That super license is going to be very, very important. I think he'll stay at wherever he's at right now, and he could very easily go somewhere next year. With the so, pro- so is the thing with the super license you have to be in like an F series before joining F one, or how does? Yes, you have to be in an F series. Um, it's a lot. I know you can either be in an F series or an, excuse me, an FIA approved like sort of feeder league mm-hmm. so i think he could like go and race in like gte3 obviously he's not going to do it but he could race in like gte for uh Le Mans or something like that he's not going to he'll probably stay at formula he's in uh, indycar oh indycar excuse me my bad. a little uh he could stay in indycar and he'll probably have to prove himself either at some sort of f3 or f2 he can very easily get that super license. It's just going to take him a long while to uh, lobby for it, uh, trying to use the correct political term. Mm-hmm. But 
he's going to have to lobby for that super license, and then he could very easily get uh, in for an F1 seat because I know he's very good. Yeah, I agree. I think that's super. I thought potentially before um, Oscar Piastri went to McLaren, I thought there might be a chance since uh, Colin Herta does race for McLaren's IndyCar team, potentially the American influence growing on that. They want to get another American driver back into Formula One. But, yeah, that super license is going to be so important. And I'll give McLaren this from a purely uh, sponsorship standpoint and what they've been able to do with uh, growing the sport in Formula One. They are amazing at it. Some of that has got to go to the driver who's leaving them, Daniel Ricciardo. We'll talk about him more at the end, though. But, yeah, I think just by putting his name on the back of a football jersey, they have done great things for this sport and growing it inside the good old U.S. of A. Mm-hmm. Agree with that. But I think he'll eventually get a sheet as Ryan McGee is right outside our studio right now, like the ESPN personality. That is, that's kind of a shock. Wow. Do you think he knows anything about Formula One? I doubt it, but maybe we could try to wave him in here. But that's kind of cool. Sorry about that, folks. We're just waving in. As the Americans fangirl over a uh... college football commentator. That is <laughs> Yeah, I didn't expect to see that happening tonight today, but here we are. That was that's kind of cool, but yeah, okay. Moving on now. Let's keep moving on. Sorry about that, ladies and gentlemen. We'll we'll add that into that's gonna be funny on the podcast. Um, let's start out with this one. Next one. This is an interesting one. He's under contract, but Pierre Gasly. Pierre Gasly, I think, would very easily could stay at Alpine. Alpine. Uh, Alpine. However you say it. French French word. Um. Could very easily stay at Alpine because or Alpine because they know how good he is and how much I think he loves it being in a French team himself. And I know at the end of the day he's going to want to stay at somewhere where he knows the people and consistency is very important. And I think with that car they can very easily not necessarily win win and be world beaters right now, but I think they can really easily score points. Agreed, but. That'd be really interesting. I think they'd like that for an all French team. That'd be really cool for them. That'd be really I'd be interesting. Get the French team with the two French drivers. That would be incredible. I think that's the best PR standpoint they could want from. I mean, Pierre knows he's probably not gonna get another chance with Red Bull, unfortunately. So he might want to take his chance where he gets them. I mean, Esteban's proven a lot this year that he is a good racer. Esteban Ocon is a good racer. He's won a race. He's a very good with his pace and blocking is a big part of uh, his race and how he races he's very good at the defensive movers that an f1 driver has to be good at agreed so but i think that'd be cool if it happens i don't know what's all gonna happen but it's still going yeah, it's we, still going we we are not people that decide that griggs we are not unfortunately <laughs> apparently i do not have a say in how a french team coordinates their drivers as well as an austrian team anyway moving on now finding another name let's go mr uh let's say mick schumacher we already talked about him a little bit but what do we see from mr schumacher next year does he return to ferrari without being in the ferrari driver academy or what is his next move i'll be real surprised if he doesn't go to a ferrari team i don't know if he'll go to the big one to the Mm -hmm. ferrari of the world i don't think that's going to happen i don't think it's going to happen either but i think he could go to a place like alfa romeo because I think that uh, that'd be a good place for him 
to continue to prove himself. If he doesn't stay at Haas, I'll be very surprised if he doesn't actually stay at Haas. Another big destination point for him could be somewhere like McLaren. I know that sounds a little bit finicky, but from a pure, uh, I know he has it from a pure uh, sponsorship standpoint and continue to grow the sport in what is quite possibly the biggest market known to the world, the United States of America, Schumacher could very easily fit into that market that I believe McLaren is desperately trying to hop into. So you could see them maybe if Norris moves on from them. It says right here on the website, look at him, Norris is done after the 2025 year. So I think that could very easily happen. I think Mick will probably have to go prove himself just a wee bit more before 2025, but I could very easily see Mick Schumacher going to McLaren. I could see, honestly, Lando, talking about Lando, I feel like, and this is before Audi backed out of their deal and all that stuff, or was that Audi who backed out of the deal? It was either Audi or Porsche, one of the two. I think it was, I think it was Porsche, and then Audi's making their own engines. So yeah, uh, Audi's making engines, and Porsche yeah. just backed out. I think Porsche before that. I was hearing reports maybe Porsche wanted a Lando Max lineup potentially because I believe Porsche was gonna um, partner with uh, Andretti, mm-hmm. Andretti Motorsports, yes. and make a Formula One team. Yeah, that's gonna be yeah. I believe in that. I think Lando could go to. I mean, him and Max get along well. Max is there. To, Max has the longest contract of anyone currently in F1. He's going until 2028, so he's not going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, Max, Max just seems like a good guy to hang around. Wouldn't you want to hang around Max Verstappen? Greg? Yeah, he seems really funny. He's uh, All the stuff I've heard him on podcasts and stuff, he's been pretty funny. Um, another, other names. Let's go Let's go Guan Yu Zhou. Does he go back to Alfa Romeo, or do they take on someone else? I think they'll he'll stick at Alfa Romeo. Um, hasn't really proved himself enough to go anywhere else, but I think Alfa Romeo likes him enough to where he can stay there and he can race as hard as he can. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to give him maybe a, another one year deal. That's my that's way how I'm thinking of it a one year deal with him. Give him another shot after his fresh after his rookie year, because yes, he did score points. Yes, not the liking of what Alfa Romeo wanted. I mean. We both didn't expect Valerie Bottas to take – we thought he wouldn't be as competitive as he was in a Mercedes, granted, but we thought he was still going to do something. He just – before the last race, he really hadn't done too much. I don't think he really cares, to be honest with you. I think he just shows up, uh, takes his water, drives a car around for an hour and a half, calls it a day. Next I, thing. I think he's really just there to test out that Alfa Romeo car hmm, and make sure it's set up for whoever uh, – is in the other car, like uh, Juan, and more importantly, just setting that up, making sure the car runs well enough to where it's able to be at least points competitive mm-hmm. for, no, for the uh, Rook. Next name, Nick DeVries, coming off his Formula One debut with a point. Where does he go from here? He's the Williams reserve driver, but Williams right now currently does not have a seat. All right, let me make, make this a two-part question. Nick DeVries and Nicholas Latifi, the two – Knicks, what is going to be the outcome for both of them, since we're both talking about Williams? I think Latifi is going to stay there for at least another year. Uh, Nick DeVries really, really excites me. He showed a lot of potential and a lot of uh, racecraft this Sunday at Monza at a very tough uh, 
track for new newcomers to get used to. Because normally when you're in F2, it's a lot of uh, feeling it out and getting the flow of tracks. Monza, you really don't really have a flow. Mm-hmm. It is just going as fast as you can and breaking under pressure and st- steering and avoiding other people. It's like sort of the Talladega of Formula One. I got you. But Nick DeVries is very, very exciting, and I think he's just a smidge better than a Williams. Mm-hmm. I think he could go to somewhere like Haas if they don't choose to get Mick Schumacher or he goes somewhere else. I'm tying this into the next one because we got to move quickly on this next one. Yuki Sonoda. I think he's not going to be re-signed by Alvatari, but I think Alvatari wants that connection with Max and Nick, both being the Dutch drivers. I think they're going to give him a chance at Alvatari. I think Nick's going to be the driver at Alvatari. Maybe they'll keep Yuki if something happens with Pierre, but as it stands right now, I think it, it would benefit them to go Pierre and Nick DeVries as the driver lineup for Alvatari. And Alvatari will probably be a lot more competitive than they are right now. Indeed. Because that Nick DeVries kid can race. And, fin- and finally, our last one, it's the big name, Daniel Ricardo. What does he do? It's been very interesting. He originally said he'll race wherever next year. Now stuff saying he doesn't really want to race for certain teams, maybe take off a year. But what is what is Mr. Daniel Ricardo going to be doing next year? Well, I'm going to first give you my fantasy, if I was Daniel Ricardo, what I would do. I would go to IndyCar, and I would just print money. Because at the end of the day, you show up at the Indianapolis 500, you, Jimmy Johnson, whoever else wants to show up, you will print more money than I promise you you can put in a Swiss bank account. Mm -hmm. Because Daniel Ricciardo is probably the most marketable person to an American out of anybody uh, that's in an F1 driver lineup right now. Of course, I'm sure he wants to stay at Formula 1, be prestigious, be the guy there and try to fix one of these teams. But I don't know, like, where he would go because none of the cars are really suitable for him. At the end of the day, I think he's too fast for some of these cars. If he, I just don't know. Here's mine quickly. If he, I don't think he's going to race next year. That's personally me. I think he's going to wait it out, kind of like maybe like a Kevin, – Kevin Magnuson did race some places, I think, but he's going to take a year off. Since there's a lot of 2023s that are opening next year, he'll be a reserve driver. Somewhere. Maybe, but here's also this would be incredible. I think Daniel Ricciardo if to Haas if they don't sign Mick. Granted, it's a little bit lower than Stephen McLaren what he's used to, but hear me out. He is very marketable in America, as you said. He's one of the probably the faces of Drive to Survive, most popular. He has a passionate fan base that still will do anything for him, and a Haas team that is desperate for marketing. This would be gold if they lose the biggest, one of the biggest names in motorsport history. Daniel Ricciardo is not a bad replacement for that. And you talk about the markability of a uh, Haas. You pair that with Gunter Steiner, oh, you would just print, print money. Print money, <laughs> we said it. But, yes, that is going to do it for our talk on where do we think these certain drivers are going to go next year. But after that, the break, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with our final segment of the day. You're listening to Smooth Operators on Weagle 91.1 FM. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It's 1.45, and you're sitting in with the smoothest operators of Weagle 91.1 FM. It is me, myself, Noah Phillips, and Griggs Blankenberg on my right. Griggs, are we dancing to this? Come on. All right. Okay, never mind. The song's off. But, Griggs, how are we feeling? We are feeling good. 
now that my mic's on, yes, we are feeling good. That was, it sounds a little bit like I've heard one of those songs before, but yeah, I'm feeling great right now. We got a big football game coming up this Saturday. Talking Formula One right now. My team's close to getting the constructors, and yeah, I'm I'm chilling right now. What what made you a uh, Red Bull fan, Greg? I actually have a reason for that. I didn't even watch Driver Survive. Nothing. The reason I became a Red Bull fan was because Christian Horner was on a podcast I listened to called Part of My Take. I've never heard of Formula One ever before like that. I'm like, okay, I'll cheer for Red Bull. That is very cool. And then after that, um, I've just cheered for them ever since. Because when it went, the first race I ever watched was it went down to Lewis and Max at Abu Dhabi. So that happens, and then that's why I was a Red Bull fan. Well, you brought up Max. Let's take a look at his dominance so far this season. So far, he has 11 race wins and currently is two off the single-season record, which is 13. Schumacher, of course, being one of them that won 13 races in 2004, and Vettel being the other one who won 13 races in 2013. Indeed, yeah. That's pretty interesting. Uh, Obviously, a big asterisk that comes with uh, Max Steffen could win 13 – could have 13 race wins this season is Schumacher when he did it there was 18 races and Vettel when he did it there was 19 races but currently there's 22 rounds to an F1 calendar and we are currently at the 16 race mark we are currently at the 16 races and then Schumacher did an 18 correct yes so if he does it it would technically be tied with Schumacher if you look at it purely from that standpoint Mm. But not Vettel. Vettel would still hold that technically with the old schedule. So Schumacher did 13 in 18 races, correct? Yes. I mean, that's still pure dominance. I mean, Vettel is still racing, so he's been through all this. But to think that there's even more races being added next year, even though you're removing one, you're excuse me, you're adding two, I think, with China and then Las Vegas, correct? Viva Las Vegas. Yes, you Which are. Which is also so sad. We have to mention this. Daniel Ricardo, Las Vegas. Oh, oh, we, we need – now I'm thinking, no, he can't be a reserve driver. He needs to be on a team next year. Daniel, just please. He just needs to show up with a car. Please. Make his own race team. Ricardo Racing. He can just come by America, drive by Detroit, pick up a Ford motor, and then just drive. Imagine, Carve something out of wood. Imagine that's how American manufacturer gets in F1 racing. <laughs> That'd be crazy. But, yeah, I don't think it takes away from Max's dominance at all. I think it's still winning these large numbers crazy. Even if he goes over 13 in the amount of races, it's still going to, I think, maybe average out to more than what they had per race. I don't know how that would work. Yeah, it would obviously average out, and it would just look so much more impressive because I think he could very easily win more than 13, obviously Mm -hmm. with Singapore and then... uh, Singapore, then uh, Japan, Japan, and then Dakota. And Mexico, Brazil, Abu Dhabi. Obviously, he can very easily, I've already said it, I believe, earlier, he can very easily win Mexico just because of how dominant Red Bull has been there. Uh, so that's 12. You think I, if he already wins by Mexico in, in Coda or Japan or Singapore, do they give favoritism to Checo, home race? Oh, they'll probably go ahead and give him uh, favoritism. I think it'll just be like 25-second gap between Checo and Verstappen and whoever's in third. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they'll just let them race. I got that. Go go have fun, gentlemen. Indeed. If you wreck them, we'll, we'll pay. Yeah, but but still, Ferrari, um, Red Bull still hasn't wrapped up quite the constructors yet. Granted, they are ahead by a lot of points, but 
anything can happen. They're ahead by math in my head real quick. Uh, I believe they're ahead by f- 139 points, if I'm not mistaken. Which would mean that something catastrophic, terrible, would have to happen to Red Bull Racing for them to not be the constructor champions little, this year. A little before the end of the show, the thing is crazy that after Australia, we really didn't th- – people were going – I was watching videos people saying, wrap it up, it's Leclerc's, it's all that. And do you blame those people? But still, the uh, fact that that happened in the start and they were able to come back from that is incredible. See, I don't really blame them at all, but at the end of the day, every every Ferrari fan in the back of their head just went, well – Let's see how we can screw it up this time. Indeed. But just the fact that they were able to come back after all that, especially after Bahrain, because they looked pretty quick. They looked like the quickest team with Ferrari in testing. They both come out. They both get double. Red Bull was in one of the last place teams after the first week, and then Max comes out, wins in Saudi, and then his engine goes kablooey in Australia. Kablooey, definitely. To think that maybe they got they got what Ferrari got wrong. They got all their problems out of the way at the beginning of the year, which is the smart thing to do. Ferrari's kind of yeah, piecing Ferrari, together. Ferrari's just like we show up on Saturday or Friday, we race our heart out, and then we just mess up somehow. We'll find a way to mess up, and we'll end up finishing. Honestly, I believe Mercedes could pass us. Especially yeah. talking about George Russell and his dominance. Yes, George Russell will dominate. Uh, I think he'll very easily – I think he can win a race in the uh, short time we have remaining. I don't know which one it is going to happen at, but something bad is going to happen to Red Bull at one of these races, put him back a little bit, and I think it will be George Russell versus Checo for a victory. And by Red, Red Bull, you mean Max? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something will happen he said to Checo, Max like, yeah. and then – Something it'll be George Russell versus um, uh, Checo, and then Charles Leclerc will lose a wheel somehow, or engine will blow up, or spoiler will turn out to not be FIA re- regulated yeah. and something. Some of these constructor battles before we go last little bit of our segment. Some of these are interesting. So Alpine versus McLaren. Alpine has 125 to McLaren's 107 points. Lando's been doing semi decent this year. Alpine has struggled in the last couple of races. I know Alonso had to retire, I think, last race. As well as Alcon had something happen. But do you, do you see Alpine holding on to fourth, or do you see McLaren somehow catching up? Being down, I think, what is that, 17 points? If Ricardo had a seat next season with McLaren, I think McLaren does it very easily. But I think Ricardo is just kind of going to be checked out of these last mm-hmm. couple races and it'll just go by the wayside. And I think uh, Alpine will very easily hold on to that fourth. Uh, They, of course, will not make a dent in Mercedes, uh, in the big three of Red Bull, Ferrari, Mercedes. But I think Alpine will hold on to that fourth spot, not necessarily comfortably, but just comfortably enough to where they feel like they earned it. And the final one of today, we have the Alfa Romeo, Haas, Alvatari, Aston Martin. All of them are separated within 30 points. Do you see any shakeup in that regard at the end? So that's seventh, sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth. No, not really. Um, you see Haas holding on to that seventh spot. That's the one that keeps getting me. I think. I don't think Aston Martin's going to catch Alvatari. The thing is, just Alvatari's been doing, or Pierre Gasly, and 
really has been doing better and getting points. And if he finishes eighth again and Haas doesn't get points again, they're in the head. I think it'll come down to one of those deals where it's like coming down to the final race, they're separated by like two points. Uh, it all comes down to this for the sixth and seventh spot, and then neither team scores in the points, and then it just ends like that. Yeah. But, ladies and gentlemen, that is going to do it for our show today. We want to thank you all for tuning in. We'll see you next week. We're still talking about F1. We don't have a race coming up soon, but we will talk more about F1 next week. For Noah Phillips, I'm Greg Blankenberg. Thank you for listening in, and War Eagle. That's all we have today for Smooth Operators, Weagle's exclusive F1 show. In case you missed some of the show or just want to relive all your favorite parts, check us out on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. Till next time, this has been the smoothest operators of Weagle 91.1 FM.